1: everybody right here to the early line our number two on the grid dane martinez and of course the candle burner kevin walsh who apparently is a very big fan of 50 cent but i die we move on here what's that guy queen's there's going to people know. g right, here we Absolutely. go. Now you're going to tell me Lloyd Banks is the greatest rapper of all time. But that's besides the point He's nice. Here. Shout We're out Tony. the Yaya. fun and functional sports content. That's what we do here. Uh, but in any event, let's move on into Europe across the pond because the Champions League was going on yesterday, match day. And listen, in this time now where a baseball champion has been crowned no basketball no hockey we will start to look to football a little bit like college football because we need action here on the early line so listen yesterday we talked about bruce yamak and gladbach who got up to a 2-0 lead on real madrid but then real scored i believe twice in like the last 10 minutes to get kev the draw in that one so if you went plus 290 on the draw like the spitting statistician you are okay i was in a tough spot kev you know, Borussia, Mark, and Gladbach, another one of my adopted teams is winning two one. And somehow I'm rooting for them to get tied. You know, I'm rooting for that last mm-hmm. goal of the equalizer. Cause three to one sounded good to me, but in any event we see what had happened, obviously in groups a and group B Bayern gets the job done. Although they did give up a goal yeah. early on. We talked about how Real Madrid worked back to the tie. They are still at the bottom of group B group C and group D had some stuff going on as well yesterday. Man City gets a win. Porto gets a win. I was intrigued by Atalanta and Ajax in that game because that was a higher scoring game. I know you have always told me that Atalanta likes to score goals, and there were goals in that one. But Kev, the other four groups... Get going today, and I believe there are two marquee matchups in this one. The first one, Kev, and we'll put it on the screen, is RB Leipzig. Um, They are in England to take on Manchester United, and ironically, you know, Man U seems to be a favorite. The draw at plus 240, but not to be outdone, Kev. If I ask even a casual fan of soccer... Anywhere in the world to name like the five best clubs in all of, you know, earth. These two would get named because Barcelona is going to see the old lady in Italy today. Barca versus Juve. This is an interesting game. We got plus money on both sides. And to remind people, Juventus star Cristiano Ronaldo will not be on the field. Why? Why? Because if, in case you've forgotten, the man has COVID. So he will not be on the field for Uv today as they take on Barca in a huge group stage matchup.
2: Yeah, I just want to say I look forward to the text uh, from Steve that lets us know that Juventus and Barcelona have fallen. And they're no longer top five clubs in the country. They Fair. certainly are in name value no matter what. Um, That's what I said, if you ask the
1: casual fan of soccer, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting, though, is... Clearly, the absence of Cristiano Ronaldo has to be factored into these lines, right? I think so. With Barcelona as road favorites. Now, this is the beauty again of betting soccer. Plus 145 road favorites. Juventus is plus 190. Uh, and, you know, as you know, Dane, plus 240 on a draw, it shows there's more legs there than usual, right? They believe that True. it is a viable right. outcome uh, in the, in the matchup. Yeah, I, I think you are looking at a spot here where uh, Juventus at home again. It's the top of the group. That's the thing that's really interesting with this match day right. is how many top of the group matchups One we had. You easy. go to six. You go to six points. That's obviously a huge edge yeah absolutely as we welcome in our radio audience
1: from around the country big shout out to all the affiliates including the mightier 1090 still probably partying in socal i have text messages on my phone right now talking about what some of the uh celebration was like in southern california so thank you again for waking up early with us kevin i want to ask you though we have these elite teams right Mm. one of them is on the road one of them is at home in Europe they still don't have fans in these stands we've seen some of the impacts like in Bundesliga right and in the EPL and in La Liga what do you think about this level of team though right like Leipzig they don't give a damn where they travel usually in you know Bundesliga but this is a different Mm. environment right um so What about that? The idea that these guys are traveling across country lines even, right? And whatever anxiety goes around that to play in a stadium with no fans against another elite squad.
2: Yeah, you know, I think what, again, for United and Leipzig both to be sat there on three points, they know there's a ton of value in this game. If you're Leipzig, right, you got the easiest of the draws in terms of your first matchup playing uh, against Istanbul. If you are able to pull a draw out of this, you'd be plenty, plenty happy with that. If you're Manchester United, if you have six points through your first two games, and those are Leipzig and PSG, they will be big-time favorites to take all six points off of Istanbul. I mean, you get to 12 points, you're going to make it through, right? Now... They're still gonna to have to play those games and Leipzig is far from an easy task today, but you see there at that plus one twenty number. And that's when again, and I, I I do like to continually bring this up, but that's when you can start to talk a little bit right about the futures market. Because if all of a sudden now you're looking at it and you're like, All right, I really believe that I think you know Manchester United can get through, then you can play them in the futures market. And by the way, They actually have group markets up now. Man Mm. a 125 favorite to win this group, which is a Mm. big move from obviously the heavy favorites PSG before they played any group games.
1: No, that's interesting. So we'll see how that moves. And when we talk about this, we'll also see later on in the group stage, maybe teams will be trying for a draw. Hmm. We'll come back after this. Hey, welcome back in everybody right here to the early line giving you the edge on sports grid the spitting statistician and the candle burner putting the fun and functional sports content and Kev. It's good right that we talk a little bit about soccer that we get into college football because as we've seen in the last month or so, you know, basketball has come to a close. The NHL has come to a close. Now Major League Baseball has come to a close. So there's still some things that we are going to focus on, right? We're going to focus on the Masters. We're going to talk golf with our guy Cam Stewart a little bit later on. But soccer and, of course, college football are things we are going to look at. But here and now, we turn our attention to the NFL. And, Kev, you know what we do here on the early line. What we do is try to get ahead of the game. And so Mm -hmm. on a Wednesday, when some of these lines come out, we know they're going to move a little bit throughout the week and so we want to know what are we doing with that hook here at the early line we call it watch for the hook All right. Fair enough. Watch out for that left cross, bro. You got to keep it chucking. You got to keep ducking like that, bro, or winky right status like that. But I digress. You don't want to get caught by the hook, Kev. That's why yeah. we look at some of these games earlier on the week, because if you like it, get it now before it vanishes. So this week, there are a couple and I want to start with tomorrow. Kev, Thursday night football fits this description. The Carolina Panthers are at home. They are laying two and a half. I'll tell you right now, this is a good example of it. Right now, at two and a half, I kind of like Carolina. I think they can cover that number. At three, it might be a little bit different. And here's one thing I'll tell you. Tomorrow night, Kev, when you're on in-game live, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Atlanta is up by ten. It doesn't matter if Atlanta's up by 20. It does not matter what happens. I will continue to have faith that the butler with his white glove service, Teddy Bridgewater, will be able to bring them back because that's all Atlanta does is give up leads.
2: I got to say, this Panthers line, I'm very, very glad it made the list because I feel like the watch for the hook should be on like a, oh, look, it's three and it's going to three and a half. Mm. This is a scary line. This, it, like, watch for the hook is the odds maker cracking me in the jaw because I fell right into his two and a half trap, laid it down, and the Falcons win this thing outright. This line right. does not make sense to me at all. These teams have already played in Atlanta. Carolina got a win. We just watched the Falcons disgrace themselves again last Sunday. The Panthers hung around, only lose by three in New Orleans. And I don't have to lay a field goal. In fact, minus 114 to the plus two and a half. What do they know that I don't know? Because that is a scary line. It
1: really is. Just watch out for the hook, bro. And I think this one may move a little bit. I got to tell you another game, Kev, that is on this slate, right? That where the hook is involved right now, at least. And I got to tell you, I'm about to make a statement that I never thought I was going to say about Uh week eight of the NFL season, okay? I will give you Pittsburgh-Baltimore, okay, as the marquee matchup of the week, right? But you and I have talked about tiers of teams, and we talked about tiers in the AFC. I got to tell you something, Kev. When I see the Browns and the Raiders Mm -hmm. in week eight, and I'm not joking, this is a huge game in the afc i think it deserves huge billing and we also at last check we had it up on the graphic i believe this is a watch for the hook game as well Mm -hmm. as we get it back up on the screen the hook is there how are you leaning in this one right now the browns are at home the browns are Two and a half point favorites at home with the Vegas Raiders coming on in. We know how banged up the Browns are. Odell is gone. We don't know about Chubb yet. Baker and his ribs. Jarvis and his ribs. We're going to see Donovan Peoples, Jones potentially, Higgins and Bryant. We'll see about Hooper. But these Raiders come in. I think they're still under-respected. In many ways, Kev, this is a game between two, whatever it is, is, two tier two or three teams that we talk about in the AFC all mm-hmm. have designs on the playoffs and they're going to face each other. And what's something of like an eliminator game?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think especially for Vegas, you know, this is a game that it makes me laugh a bit. Because before I saw a line posted for it, but after both of their results from last week, I was like, oh, I'm going to be so smart. I know that Vegas was in that game with Tampa more than everybody else. Cleveland, they pulled out the win. I'm going to get some two and a half. I- I'm surprised this isn't three and a half, right? So, There's you the, know, hook. That's right there. the, of the hook. That's right. Watch for the hook. This is, you know, trending towards the three. As opposed down to a two, so I definitely now if you like Cleveland, right? So I agree. I agree, but I I will say again, it's another spot where I am a bit puzzled by the line. I'm surprised this isn't a three. Is this a movement right. from Odell Beckham Jr.? Like I think people would what have, have been mean? willing to lay three with Cleveland at home against the Vegas Raiders, and I'll tell you, it's funny, but there are key numbers for a reason. At three and a half, I think I backed Vegas. At two and a half, I think I back ah, Cleveland. There you go. Watch for the
1: hook. Here, guys. Uh, Kevin and I, we've been doing this show for a little under a year now, right? I am going to tell you right now, guys, as I intro this next one, watch Kevin's face. Okay, anyone who's here for this Kevin another game that qualifies for watch for the hook is the Sunday nighter where the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> Are seven and a half <laughs> point favorites right now to the Dallas oh, Cowboys. Do I know my man the Campbell? Oh, no. What Kev yeah. here's the way I will ask this to you You're talking about in these other ones where the two and a half is one thing the three and a half. This is important, right? Where's that dividing line for you on this one? Does the hook matter to you in this one, Cowboys-Eagles? Let's assume Ben DiNucci and his right. mama's meatballs are under center yes. for the Cowboys.
2: Listen, I know I'm setting myself up for disaster with the level of comfort that I feel going into this football game. I know it. <laughs> That's okay. It is what okay. it is. Now, we talked about watching for the hook, though. So it was seven yeah. and a half. But it was minus 122 to the plus, right? So that was a spot where if you like Dallas, you should get it. It's come the other way. It's now minus 110 both sides. I truly feel like if Ben DiNucci is the quarterback, like how is this number not moving more? You know, you don't want to overreact to – to certain situations right but andy dalton did still play the lion's share of that football game and the cowboys were getting embarrassed by right. washington after being embarrassed by arizona so dalton this number should probably be seven and a half so With Ben DiNucci, oh, don't say I'm going to say, I feel like it should be like 10. I do. I mean, come on. What are we talking about It's a third-string quarterback and the worst defense in football? I know. I know this is going to come back to haunt me. It's the fourth quarter. The Eagles are down three. I'm throwing up. I get it. I get it. But until that happens, am I crazy here, Dane? Like, is this seven and a half? Watch for the hook of it when it's ten and a half. Like, come on. Yeah,
1: I, I I hear you. In general, going over a touchdown does give me cause for pause. In general, but I, if Ben Benucci is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in this game, yeah, um, yeah, I'm comfortable taking the Eagles up to nine and a half, thirteen and a
0: half,
2: something like that. I don't like know how that. it doesn't. I don't know how it doesn't get to that range though. Again, yeah. like I'm. I'm just trying to put this in a way where people are like, I don't want people to be like, oh, Eagles. Eagles." like This isn't about the Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys have the worst defense in football and a third-string quarterback. Worst defense in football, third-string quarterback. If Dallas was traveling to play the Jets this week under those circumstances, like, what are we talking about? A pick Like, let's be honest here
1: it's a good question and that's why we look at these lines early just to bring it full circle and so we don't feel like we're picking on you Kev you know what the Jets line was they talk about watch for the hook at one point it was 20 and a half I like We'd it at 20 and the and Jets a half, guys week. but 21 too many. Too many. Down to we'll 19 and a half. That one. Jets outright. The money is coming in on Sammy D in the New York Jets. I don't know. When we come back, we'll bring in our guy, the raging redhead, Cam Stewart, to talk more about some of these games and what we're seeing in the world of golf. We'll do all that when we come back on the early line. But until then, here's the news update. Get caught up, y'all
3: The golfer that I'm considering as a fade this week for the Bermuda Championship is Harold Varner III. He's 25 to one outright to win this golf tournament. And as much as I love Hv3. As much as I buy into his game and what a great tee to green player he can be when the swing is going right, this is just much too short. I actually have a much higher regard for Harold varnard's game. I think he can win full field, uh, deeper PGA Tour events at longer numbers. I think I'd rather save him and and bet him in situations where he's fifty to one, where you get a, a handful of the top players of the PGA on the PGA Tour. I think that highly of his game. I don't want to you know, get half the odds when he's playing in a a much weaker field. And you have to realize, in terms of win equity, Harold Varner III still has not won on the PGA Tour. He's put himself in contention quite a few times. There's been a few historic uh, poor Sundays where he went out and shot in the 80s, paired with Brooks Koepka at the PGA Championship, and he disappeared from the final group. There was the Genesis Invitational just this year where he was in the lead or tied for the lead when he got to the 10th tee on Sunday, and he cold topped one off the 10th tee at Riviera. I mean, it, it, there are concerns about him being able to close it out. And while I'm a believer that he's going to build that scar tissue, he's going to learn from those failures. I actually think he's much better as a 40 to one, 50 to one, 66 to one, because I think he can win in those fields. I'm not going to pay the 25 to one. Go super short on HV3 this week at the. Bermuda Championship.
1: Welcome back in everybody right here to the early line. We, of course, also welcome back our radio affiliates from around the country, from around the globe, okay? So many ways to get on the uh, get the edge with Sports Grid. And by the way, guys, the ways you can hear us are growing. We've got exciting news on that coming down the pike. But listen, it is a Wednesday. We've got golf to discuss. So we bring in our guy, the Raging Redhead. You can hear Cam Stewart all over this network on Game Time Decisions on in-game live helping out doing the updates with Scotty Too hot on coast to coast and Cam, we are happy to have you this one, you know, when we look at the Bermuda championship, Cam, it's not necessarily <laughs> an A level event, right? I think we no, have to accept no. that. And I see that as soon as we start seeing some of the names at the top of the board rides out with we just heard Rick talking about Harold Varner, the third who to be quite honest, I don't know about fading. Like He's one of the names I do, in fact, know. I see some other guys, Henrik Stenson, out there. Talk to me, Cam, about some of these guys, the kind of tournament this is with the Masters on the Horizon, and if there's other names that you like.
4: Yeah, guys, let's be honest. This is a meeting in the boardroom, and these guys are sitting there going, God, we just bought that house. My wife's all (laughs) over me.
3: What a horrible couple (laughs)
4: years I've had. Time to go to Bermuda. <laughs> Let's tee it up. We got a lovely vacation <laughs> out of the deal. And hopefully I get a paycheck and come up. Like, this is probably the most beautiful good, tournament right? these it's guys a nice are gonna play in. Tra- oh, sure. Oh, it's a, <laughs> like can I can I be a golfer too? Like honest to God, I wish I I wish I was a professional golfer. You get to go to Bermuda and play at the the Bermuda Championship here. Guys, this is interesting too. Like I looked at the length of this course, I'm like sixty eight hundred yards. So it tags in at the second small uh, second shortest sure. course in the history of the PGA tour. It has no defense other than wind. That's what these wow. the, these courses on these islands. So, like you know, twenty eight to one. Like this could be these guys could go really low. I don't know how they're going to make it uh, difficult for them, but yeah, this is a tournament for guys looking for status. Basically, guys who are outside the one twenty five. They want to keep on winning, making money, and and for veterans, you mentioned a guy like Henrik Stenson, guys who have not in like been best form the last couple years, like world-class players that just really don't have the same right. game anymore. And uh, I'm not going to really say this is a tune-up to the Masters. Close, this course is not co- uh, close to the same style or layout of, of Augusta. This is simply guys, like a job, trying to make damn money, paying their mortgage, buying more property, whatever mm-hmm. they have to do, that's bad right. investment deals. Guys, that's one thing go golfer's game and I talk about, money. Like You know what I mean? Can we make more money to give to my mm-hmm. kid in college or whatever? So that's what these guys are doing, teeing it up this week. A lot of the best aren't here guys but I will say this a lot of different players uh, are going to come into factor this course isn't long so you don't have to worry about you know all these big ball hitters versus small ball hitters you want accuracy yeah. this week so this is basically we have 3 par 5s under five hundred and sixty yards, we got six par fours under four hundred. Like this is a course we hmm. can get around it at, at sixty eight hundred yards. Like I would not even be afraid be able to play to knock this it around that course. That's what I'm saying, Dave. Like, like, like when I when <laughs> I see <laughs> uh, look, when I, when I'm playing with Jeez. my buddies and they go, "You want yeah, yeah, you guys want to play the tips and it's seventy two hundred yards." I'm like, I'm scared. I'm like going into my tournament. Give me the white Please, I do not if want I got to shoot over. Floor 100. Like you know, three sixty. <laughs> I feel good about it. I can get there. You know. Me too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so this tournament uh, it's, it should be a lot of fun though.
2: So then, you know, usually you guys always break down the course, right? And you, know, you always talk about the defense, though, right? Oh, there, you know, yeah. sand, whatever it might be. And you say there's no defense. So does that then mean everybody is live? Should we only be valuing putting over everything else? Like, what does that mean for how deep down the board we can find value?
4: That's a great, good question here, Kev, but I will say this, um, there's certain guys I look at, I go, can you win a golf tournament? Have you been close? Mm, yeah. These are things, and then I start my list with, a, like most tournaments, you have about 20, 30 guys, and you start crossing them off, guys you like, then if you don't, mm, the, the value's not there, let's take them in matchups, but in this tournament, I'm telling you, a lot of guys can win, but the angle and the way I'm going to attack this tournament is good players... Not in horrible form, playing this tournament to try to, you know, get back into the masters, Sharpen to do something special. That's the thing. Like the Charlie Hoffmans of the world, the Henrik Stensons mm-hmm. of the world, the Brendan Graces of the world, guys who have contended in majors guys that used to be at the top of the food chain. Golf's a tough game. Ask Lee Westwood about golf. The guy went from a top three player in the world to like 500, put on 50, 60 pounds, hit the pressure. It's hard. If you can't play this game and that's your livelihood, it gets in your head. And once Mm -hmm. you're in your head in golf, you're done. Other than baseball, it's probably the hardest sport. Baseball, the ball is moving. Golf, it is not. But those are the two sports. If you're in your own head, you're dead. And that's the way I look at it. So I'm looking at guys who are kind of, you know, back in back in the fold, getting a little bit better. Hmm. And Henrik Stenson and Charlie Hoffman fit the bill. These are two guys that used to be, you know, competing, in as Rick was talking about, sure. real events with real players. And, you know, you're getting these guys in the mid-30s. I'd like a little bit more, but against this weekend field and guys from, you know, the Web.com tour and the mini tours right. that are qualifying for this event because the big guys aren't here, this is what I'm going to – these are the guys I'm looking at. Like, Will Zalatoris is a great golfer. Should he win this week? Maybe. He's the favorite. But right. I can't take it. a guy like him right. at over 10, like 10 to 1. Like Bryson DeChambeau, like 10 to 1. I get it. Will Zalatoris, mm-hmm. he's good. He could <laughs> win. But that, that that price is just awful. So I'm looking around, you know, the I'm hovering around the mid-30s, and then I have a couple guys, okay. you know, are like 50 to 1 type of thing. Okay, well,
1: I'd like to hear that, you know, because I'm trying to I'm trying to read the tea leaves, Cam. You're talking about a kind yeah, of golfer <laughs> that you're in, and I'm looking at the pond yes. you're fishing in, right? So I'm also seeing yeah. names like a Danny Willett, like a Stewart Sink, that I think are yes. names that we know. I don't know if they're in the form, but they seem to be at that level. Am I crazy? But give me, I don't know if it's a six-pack, a four-pack, or the double deuce for this event. Who are you hmm. picking, Cam?
4: Dane, I will say this: if you have it, a couple extra, like you know, quarters lying around in, in the Martinez yeah. quarter jar, and you can get like four jar. or five bucks, Stuart sinks actually not I a puts bad. Put them in kick. every time I Dan- curse,
1: so I got plenty more.
4: <laughs> yeah. hmm. da- Danny Willett, Danny Willett's a guy I wouldn't bet this week, but let's start things off with Doc Redman. He's a guy that's okay. contended in field, field events, and he's twenty-two to one, and Zalatoris is eleven. Then we're gonna go with Henrik Stenson. I talked about yeah. Henrik Stenson. This is a guy if he wins this tournament, he wants to get a little bit of respect again. And I will say this, guys: you have to watch out of for a while starting to play better again quietly getting into the top mm. 25 people aren't talking about him I like Stenson at 33 to 1 I also like a young golfer in Justin Sue. he basically has the same track record as uh, a guy like Zala Torres crushed it on mini tours crushed it before he got to the PGA tour the thing is nobody knows about him as much because he he's not as popular that's the thing 33 to one Charlie Hoffman 33 to one watch out for the Hoff this week this is a perfect type of tournament for Hoffman and the yeah. reason I took Hoffman too, guys is the course has one defense wind. Charlie Hoffman, Texas. He likes to. He's a low ball striker, and that'll play well in the wind too. And he's also starting to get into his form again. He's played a little bit better recently. I really like him. If you're looking for two mid grade guys, Russell uh, Knox. I think Russell Knox is a guy that's a flying under the radar at fifty to one. And Brendan, by the grace of God, gambler, if we win at sixty five to one, we'll have a little bit mm. of more money. To bet the NFL moving forward, so those are the guys that <laughs> I like uh, this week. That's the six-pack game. Even though it's a Bermuda Championship, I still got six beers. I, I usually, sometimes I take out good. a couple and have them before. But <laughs> hey, I won a little bit with Cantlay last week and stuff. And yeah, just, just one quick point. W- one quick point before we get to the to the Masters yeah. and other stuff. I looked at Cantlay, and people are going, "Wow, you know, you know, you pick up on Cantlay." It's like it's little things. I'm like, where did Cantlay win? Every course that he won at is a Jack Nicholas design last week was a Jack Nicholas design so there's certain things we talk about horses for courses and you know home cooking certain guys I, you know what I mean they just play well it fits their eye there's something they like about just everything the way the greens roll the way it looks the way they play their little fades so those are things I'm looking at too at the Bermuda Championship it's tough because there is mm-hmm. no real great course history other than the fact that Brendan Todd won the one time uh, that he played and his odds this week are too low for me
2: Kim, I just want to ask you one more thing quickly on this. The thing that I love about golf betting is the Jets are thirteen to one to beat the Chiefs, right? It'd be the biggest upset in like <laughs> NFL history, right? And then Will Zalatoris yes. is chalk to win this thing at eleven to one. The reason why he's interesting though to me, and I could be off base here, but wasn't there another one of these nondescript tournaments less than a month ago? He was oddly the favorite and underperformed. Is there a world where nobody wants to go to this guy and you actually could get value on Zalatoris or since he's priced at 11 to 1 again it's just not there so let me interrupt right here Cam I'm going to yeah. give you a full two minutes to figure that out
1: alright we got to take yeah, a break I'll figure it out we got to take a break <laughs> organize your thoughts I'm expecting though Cam the best answer you've ever given in your life and everybody a, who's watching, I don't know about that Dave. That that's too. a bad bet we come back <laughs> on the early lines takes a high Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh, and our friend of the show, the raging redhead, Cam Stewart. Okay, so Cam, you know, you've been alluding to this, right? This is not necessarily Mm -hmm. an A-level card. We understand that. But part of the reason is because everyone's sharpening their skills for the Masters. Right, And the yep. Masters is only a couple of weeks away. I find it intriguing. I truly wonder, Cam, how this course plays in like early November versus early April and that kind of thing. But talk to me in general. What do you think about the Masters happening at this part of the calendar? Will it play differently? And uh, are there any things you're starting to get ahead of for uh, the Masters market?
4: Yeah, quickly, I'll answer Kevin's question before the break. Zalatoris, if you want oh, to bet him, yeah, right. just bet I'm two sorry. or three. I'm be- sorry. Be- the no, most it's okay. It's okay. Of all time. We'll I'm bet sorry, not Kev. Zalatoris could win this event, and if you like him, just bet two or three guys instead of my six-pack. Why don't you just – you sneak you snuck into my fridge, you grab three beers, you bet <laughs> Zalatoris and a couple other guys, and then we yeah. talk on Sunday to see what happened. As for the Masters, I don't think that was the smartest way to answer, Agent. but it's answered. Let's like talk that. Augusta. And it's, in, and it's in November. So, guys, I will say this. This course is not like – the the heart uh, the longest course to begin with the thing about the masters that nobody realizes and i've actually had the pleasure of working for a television company and they sent me down to cover it one of the highlights of my career it's the undulations and hills tv and hd will not give you exactly the reality of the course and how many side hill lies that you have and that's a very difficult thing even for a pro golfer no one's gonna have problems getting around and bryson D chambeau basically said the way I'm playing right now, I'm just going to cut, cut, cut everything and it's been working for him. Have you guys seen this guy's odds? I got him at the Masters. I think it was probably, Kevin and I were doing a show about half a year ago when we started this thing and he was in the mid-30 range. And I put like 20 or 30 bucks on him then. I wish I right. put like 200. He is plus eight plus hmm. 850 on FanDuel. That tells you the book knows. This guy has a perfect game with his length. If he just, you know, he can get out. And the thing about danger at the Masters is it's a lot of pine, pine straw and other things. But he will do really, really well there. And I think I still think that numbers it's a little bit out of whack. He should be probably around fifteen. But people are really high on him, guys. Can I, I, I will tell on you one. That? Yes, sure you can. Yep. So you bet that in February, let's
1: say, right? Because mm-hmm. and at that point you thought the Masters was going to happen in it was early. Was going to be in April. Yes. Right. And so yes. I understand betting a futures bet a couple of weeks out, you know, that sort of thing. But part of what you're betting on, right, or whatever kind of form those guys are in, in late yeah. February or early March, whenever you bet it. Now there's been six, seven months, right? So yeah. how did how do you use that as just like part of your portfolio because a lot of people probably had to get guys early on i bet a lot of people are holding things like brooks Kepka because of that right or whatever the case may yep. be how do you handle that futures market because now people are in different form the course is different people are hot you know like what about those bets that maybe you made as futures bets on the masters two months ahead of what you thought were the masters but that was back in the winter
4: yeah, exactly. Like, think about, that's a great point. Think about the guys with Brooks Kepka. He's not in great form right now before you're thinking he could be in contention. So there are things in your portfolio, Um, I guess, depending on the book, like, do I want to avoid this bet in somebody else? But I will tell you guys a quick story and numbers change. And this is why golf is different than any other sport. If you see a guy with a certain type of game and you know a major is coming up in three months, like, let's use the example of Matt Wolf Hits it a ton, you mm-hmm. know, very streaky player. You're like, I think the US Open is a very long course. You know what I mean? Like, you have to look at guys, what they do well, and what type of course the major is, and get in on it. And maybe get a guy at 80 to 1 before he goes down at 40 to 1. I'll use an example of my buddy Brian Blessing, friend of the network here. He had Tyrell Hatton in the Masters that he made in January or February at 150 to 1. I'm looking on FanDuel right now. Tyrell Hatton wow. is 29 to 1 right now to win that tournament. Is he going to win? I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. When you have a ticket at 150 to 1, you can do a, a lot of hedge opportunities. But, guys, mm-hmm. this is really important with the Masters. It's kind of like horses for courses, Dane. We talk about, like, mm-hmm. the Ortiz brothers at Aquita. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same fight. All that type yeah. of guys yeah. every year. It's a comfort level. Oh, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, comfort sure. food. Certain guys play this course all the time well. They're there all the time. Yeah. Usually, Bubba Watson, one of those guys. Remember, I told you, Dane, last week. Right. It's a left hander's paradise. Everything dog right. legs right to left. For a natural lefty, it's a beautiful, smooth move, and things come naturally. Bubba Watson, yeah. now, I told Dane, already since that point, Dane, he's gone down a couple points. Remember, we talked wow. about, you yeah, know, he's, he's week, in yeah. good form right now. Remember, I said 30, yeah. I think it was 35. He's 27 now. You're right. This is the thing the golf betting market changes very quickly and rapidly. So there's certain mm. guys that, Look at guys who do well at Augusta, and even some of the old-timers. It's just really weird. This is a spot where I don't want to tinkle with, uh, you know, ooh, uh, this new golfer might do well here in his debut and stuff like that. Those are guys you actually probably want to fade because the nuances, the subtleties of Augusta, once you've played it more, Tiger Woods can play this course even with the form he has now blindfolded and probably still be in contention. That's the thing. He knows every shot, every angle, every
2: little, like, it's crazy. It's crazy at Augusta. You want familiarity. You know, I actually wanted to ask you about Tiger. Every time I see him on this list, it always stands out because it is Tiger, right? But there are only eight guys with a shorter price than Tiger Woods, booked at the same price as someone who you mentioned in Bubba Watson with an incredible chance to win here, Colin Morikawa, who we know, one of the better golfers in the world. Does it ever make sense to back Tiger at these numbers? Are you ever getting fair odds on Tiger in a positive sense? Or is the only way to just fade him and match up bets because the book knows they can shade numbers in his direction because people still want to back Tiger Woods? I will say this, guys. If you like Tiger Woods,
4: wait. That number is probably going to get nowhere but up. He's not playing hmm. in the Shell Houston Open. He's working from hmm. home. There's nothing he can do to help that number unless some rich guy comes in, rich Texan, throws down like twenty hmm. grand. I'd like to bet on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. T- like, you know T- what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Timboon Pickett walks in with a duffel bag, and, and the books are like, "Whoa, whoa, slow that down here, man. Fair. Let's take a let's take a look at our maximums." You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's the thing because he's not playing in any events. But Kev, let me tell you something. At twenty-seven to Wood. I would call Tiger Woods form heading in like out of 10, like a four right now. He's not playing well. He looks sluggish. He's not at his game. But when the gates of Augusta open and you see that course again, it's like, oh, I'm back. It's like familiarity, Kev, your buddy from Iona Mm -hmm. you haven't seen in a while. I know I'm going to have a a nice cold beer with my boy, Bill. He's great. He's a great guy. You know what I mean? It's, It's like a great conversation with somebody you've known for a long time, a beautiful lover. It feels right. And Tiger Woods and Augusta, it feels right. At 27-1, to 1, watch out. That's actually not a bad price, Kev. By the time things start, maybe 33-35. And that's the thing. Tiger mm. Woods can win Augusta in medium form. And if he and if he right. finds something at home, he'll be there. So I'm actually saying that's not a bad price. In other tournaments where he's like 40-1 to 1 in a full field event, I'm like, there's no value there. But at Augusta, things change because he loves that course and plays well there.
1: Hey, Cam, I want to push it. I want to push it on this with the Masters, okay? I've got a a six-pack of my own, and these are all guys between 40 and 50 to 1, okay? Okay. But are also guys who I believe have, just like you're talking about, that familiarity, right? They're only in it for the majors. They're really strong golfers who have played this course a ton of times, and I can get them between 40 to 50 to 1. I tried one of them with you last week. I'm going to try it again. Do any of these names... Uh, strike your fancy at their value. Adam Scott at forty-two to one. I find that he's always around at the top of these big ones. Jason Day at fifty to one. Ricky Fowler at fifty to one. Sergio Garcia at fifty to one. My boy from South Africa, Louis Oosthuizen at fifty <laughs> to one. And then the guy I really want to ask you about—if you just said Tiger Woods' form is like a four out of ten—I'm going to make the same argument for a guy that I'm incredibly interested in for the Masters: Jordan Spieth is at 41-to-1. I know his form is not a 4 out of 10 right now, but when the gates of Augusta open, could he be
4: live? These guys at 40-to-50-to-1. Here's the thing, Dane. I look at Jordan Spieth. It is a magical place for him, but there's, the inconsistencies, I'm going to say no. Adam Scott, okay. the guy's had, had COVID. I don't know who he's going to battle. Jason Day, okay. always an injury away. Kind of looking at him, but no. There's two names that okay. you mentioned that I would be focused on. One Louis Ustazen, who's oh, actually yeah. plays his course That's a good price for he does. Louis. He plays, this, one. A guy, he a guy, plays he this always playing. Well all the time. He's yes. on the board. And, He's always and, on the board in the Masters. And people forget. Sergio Garcia won a couple weeks ago. Like, does, does mm-hmm. that mean no one's talking about that? Sergio Garcia won an event. He's not doing anything now. But I'm telling you, at fifty to one in the masters, he must be looked at. That's the thing. Those okay. two guys, Louie and Sergio. Louie and Sergio. Listen. Okay. Yeah. Louis o and SG, baby. So that's like that's <laughs> okay. what we'll do. We'll take a look at those guys. Hey, day question mark because to of one. health. And Adam's all those guys right. that you mentioned could be good top. Top 10 and top 20 options. I just don't know about Scott because of the COVID, and Jason Day's always got a lingering injury, and he's a family man now. So you never know, right? right? So, but but I like uh, Louie
2: and Serge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you um, (laughs) with this what does the portfolio look like for you right now in terms of the Masters, Mm. right? So you have Bryson. Are you. Is he the only guy that you're currently positioned on, or is this something where you've maybe got four or five golfers already uh, kind of with some starting positions
3: on? He's got a case already. Yeah. He's got a six-pack.
4: Yeah, no, uh, K- K- see, hey, K- Kevin's like the prowler. Uh, Cam, where do you keep the uh, the money? Yeah, no, <laughs> come
3: on in. Go, I'll tell you where it is.
4: <laughs> why, why don't you just come in and take my jewels? I don't have any, Cam, <laughs> but I have a couple I have a couple guys. You're right. I had to get on the Tyrell Hatton train because when you're getting a guy at that kind of price, you lock mm-hmm. it in when you think he's a world-class player. He made the ticket. I didn't get 100, but he's like 90, 95. Um, I have him. Bryson DeChambeau in the mid-30s, that that ticket is there. And there's another two guys. Patrick Cantlay, remember? He won last week. He was 45 to 1 when he got him. Take a look wow. at his odds right now. What's Cantlay now? He's got to be 20. around like 20s. Yeah, 20s, 20, 20, 20, 20 to 20. 1. Yeah. Oh, he's down to twenty. This is, a, this is a something that somebody, you guys, people don't know about unless you watch golf. Patrick Cantlay, when my, me and my girlfriend were in Vegas, made the cut on the number uh, Masters a couple years ago. He was leading. Leading. Going in like he was had a chance to win this thing. He looked at the scoreboard and saw himself leading and probably like went, uh-oh. Like, depends time. Like, I have a chance to win the Masters. And he went bogey. Like, it just ended after that. Mm. Like, that's the thing. It was crazy. Watch out for him. This course plays perfectly to his strengths, and if he can just get that putter going, he'll be lethal. And Dane, I told you I have him a a ticket, and Bubba Watson, the left-hander. Watch out. Again, another great performance this week. Guys, he's finishing like top 10 and 15 consistently in courses Mm -hmm. that he's like, yeah, I kind of play that course well. The guy's won the Masters twice. That's the thing. But these numbers, guys, they're tough. Dane, I would say wait on the mid-range mid guys, because I don't think a lot of okay. people are going to be smashing Louie and smashing Sergio. Okay. But some of these guys in the 20-to-range, you might want to do a little investing, Kev. Like if you hit the Philadelphia Eagles parlay, and there's a guy that you like, maybe do a little bit of sprinkling, because I'm not sure what's going to happen with these odds uh, later on. And as for Tiger, maybe wait just a little bit and see if you can get something over mm. 30, and then I have no problem taking them.
2: Interesting.
1: Hey, Cam, thanks for spending uh, more than a couple of minutes with us to talk about the golf, what's happening this week, and what we can expect if we want to get ahead of the Masters. We'll bring you back in next week, and maybe we'll talk some football too next time around because, you know, there won't be baseball or (laughs) basketball or hockey to talk, so we'd love to have you. Thanks again, Cam. (laughs) Have a good one, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Cam. Fair enough. Listen. What do you think about that kev some of these guys maybe to get on early and this idea of like the comfort level of being back at augusta whether it's november or april
2: i just think it's imagine if i told you that i had the kansas city chiefs to win the super bowl at like 25 to 1. like that's what right. he has on de it's amazing yeah.
1: no i'm with it i mean there's a little bit more opportunity there's more golfers in there it's tougher but yeah i like it great value cam We'll be back to wrap a tight bow on this one
3: after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line as we finish up this episode. You know, Kev, we're talking off air and all this stuff. Obviously, it comes back to COVID for uh, one level, right? Like, we've talked about all the money the NBA saved by doing the bubble and how successful that pretty much was. MLS, NHL, they all got through it. Remember how you were talking about baseball changing the playoff format and all that stuff? They also, mid season, decided to implement a bubble for the playoffs. <laughs> right? And then it was successful until it wasn't. And they made that decision. You and I are talking about, it, and I gotta ask you, like on air, what do you think would have happened if the race uh, were last night? If the Rays were last night. And we were today having a so, game like, seven on the horizon, but yeah. there was a member of the Dodgers, and obviously the close contacts that were up in the air, like what would Major League Baseball or Fox have done?
2: Because the thing is, right? We're kind of assuming that there's no way a bunch of other Dodgers don't have COVID now with considering they were in the bubble. They had that, you know, sense of security, right? I mean, it's not just being around the bubble, but there's a reason why. Remember when, like, baseball said they were going to switch the baseball after every single time it's touched by (laughs) anybody other than the pitcher and the catcher? (laughs) Like Like, Justin Turner wasn't fielding ground balls, and it's not like he wasn't in the dugout. I mean, mean, I'd be pretty surprised if we come back and find out there isn't an outbreak to the point where, honestly, I... I hate to say this, but I don't even know if I'd believe it. Like, if the report was like, there's no outbreak, I don't be like, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, and the thing, the question that I posed to you: What if in the second inning it came back that Justin Turner was positive as opposed to inconclusive? Yeah, I mean, I clearly they'd have pulled him that's from the game. But like, you'd have kept rolling. We would have kept rolling. Yeah. It's not like they
1: would have went to the Simpsons on Fox. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's why I mentioned things like that's why I mentioned things, Kevin, like Tom Brady and the reports that he got a concussion in the Super Bowl that year. Right. When Giselle said that, but they didn't actually pull him. Right. That's why when we talk to Joe Lisi and we're like, what happens if Justin Fields and a member of Ohio State goes down? Will they actually sit him out for three weeks? You know, it's one thing to have the policy. Then to actually adjudicate and implement the policy when it is tough is something different. So yes, yeah, I wonder. i will just we'll say this lastly
2: this Dodgers, is where baseball won. Baseball won, because they never actually gave us the policy. That's how they got through it. Because they had no policies. Yeah. They just they, did whatever they, they wanted and they eventually crowned the champion.
1: All right, well, we'll see if the NFL and college football are on the same path. for one thing or another, we will be here to cover it, giving you the edge on the grid. For my man, Kevin, I'm Dane. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.